Let's give the Lord an applause of praise. Oh, we can do better than that. Come on. World Cup is coming up. Vote Meisterschaft. People are going to shout and get crazy about a ball on the grass. We got the King of Kings here with us today. Welcome, everyone, especially those of you who may be here for the first time. Don't underestimate your praise, your heart of worship when you come into the house of the Lord. We can create an atmosphere together of miracles. Amen? And not just for this service, but for the ones that come after. When you're the first of three services, you can create an atmosphere, an aroma of praise that is tangible, that's real. And can I encourage, especially those of you who this is your church home, when you can, sit toward the front. That allows for people coming late to have a space, but it also, when we have guests here or whoever is, has the great privilege, like I do right now, to share the Word of God with you, it is an honor to do that. And I mean that from the deepest part of my heart. We love you. We pray daily for all of you. And it is a great privilege. But you can really empower the speaker when you lean in and you move forward and you bring an attitude of praise. And you're not just sitting there to receive. And that's not easy. Those seats are more comfortable now than they've ever been. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord for those comfortable seats. They think they put them in here for the movie theater. No, they put them in here for us. Come on. But here's the point. It's really easy for you to just spend the rest of this service receiving something. But I want to challenge us because like even when I'm sitting there listening to Andrew last week and the week before, uh, whoever's here, I want to be more than just a receiver. I want to be hearing and taking it in, but praying for those around me and saying, God, let me be aware of how you're moving in this moment. Because when you get up from your seat in a little while, there may be someone that God has already assigned for you to have a word with. Maybe as you're out in the lobby before you go, that there's somebody you're going to run into who has a word for you or a prayer for you. And and, in fact, we're going to open the altar at the end of the message here. And I would really encourage you, if you've got something you need to be praying, prayed for, come forward. We we are glad to do that. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll, We'll hold you up in prayer. And those prayer cards that Pastor Andrew had a moment ago, you need to know that they're going to get passed on to a team from this church who will continue to pray for them. Isn't that awesome? We believe in the power of prayer. So I want to take you to the book of Mark for the story we're going to look at today where Jesus is in church. And it says that he sat down near the collection box in the temple. That was their church. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. They didn't have giving envelopes. But it didn't matter because Jesus would know whether they had an envelope or not, what was going on. Many rich people put in large amounts. And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they are giving a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, 
has given everything she had to live on. This is God's word. And what we're talking about here is giving what you're living. Giving what you're living. You see, Jesus is in church. And friends, can I tell you, he's here in church today too. And of, and of all the places that, that he could have sat down to watch, listen to the message or the, or the serving teams like have been here for a few hours already setting things up, he could have watched that. He could have gone and watched the kids' ministry or how the praise and worship team was doing. But of all the places he could go in church, he puts himself next to the offering box. And he's watching, he's people watching, people dropping their gifts in the box. And I'm sure they were probably not aware that the Son of God, the creator of the universe, was there very interested in what they were putting in the offering. But can I just tell you, it's true for us. That's first point to understand in this story. Jesus is interested, interested in our giving. And there's a simple reason for that. Because what we give declares what we believe and value most day to day. So in other words, how we give is how we're living. We give how we live. And so... We notice the first thing he says, Mark writes down, that many were coming with large amounts. So what that tells me as a pastor, who doesn't like a giving church? This was a well-supported financially church. This was the temple, an incredible incredible building, and all of the priests and worship service. There was seven day a week worship going on in this place. And so it was well-financed. But it's interesting, the person who got Jesus' attention was a widow. And you have to ask, well, how, how did he know that? Well, maybe there was something in the way she was dressed. But this is a reminder that Jesus knew something about all of those that were coming that only he could see. And I think it tells us that she's a widow because in that culture, there was no pensions. She is as low down as you could go, no husband to support her, perhaps no children. And so she literally was at the bottom of the support ladder. And, and anything she would give would, would have an impact on her. And it tells us that she put in the equivalent of one penny, two coins, the smallest coins, copper coins, in the Jewish language, they were called lepta, but they were worth one penny. But I want you to see, and this will be encouraging, do you notice Jesus doesn't criticize anybody's giving here? In other words, the rich who were bringing in gifts, those gifts were needed. Somebody had to turn on the lights in the temple. All of the expenses of the church have to be supported. I'm amazed at the number of people I meet that think, well, you know, I give my money to charity, but, you know, once in a while I'll give something to the church. But, friends, there is no place in Scripture where we see God's people not giving in to the house of God 
it's not there. I've studied it. And so he's not criticizing them. They're supporting the ministry. But he also doesn't criticize the woman. Her gift would pay for nothing. Because he sees the heart behind each giver, just like he does with us. Can I challenge us to be aware that Jesus pays attention to every envelope that we bring, to every bank transfer that we make, it matters to him. And he sees the complete picture of what we're really giving. And he tells his followers, he said, hey guys, come over here, I want you to see this. She's giving more than all of them. And I think he's really telling her more than all of them put together because she gave all that she had. And you say, well, yeah, but that's kind of crazy. How's she going to buy her next lunch? And how's she going to pay her bills if she's putting it in the offering box? And, And so we see some interesting things here because one of the things that we notice is they're giving out of surplus, he says. And so it's very likely of all the givers that he observed coming into church, she was the only one who is tithing. You say, well, how's that possible? They were giving large amounts. That's what it says. Yes, they were. But it's a reminder, the tithe, which is 10%, which goes back thousands of years, way before the Old Testament law, has been the standard of God throughout the generations for God's people. And God has said that the tithe belongs to him. In other words, he's ordained that each of us understand that God is the owner of 100%. Everything about your life and mine, what I have in the bank, what I have in my pocket, all of my money, all of my time, all of the abilities and skills that I have are given by God's gracious hand. Amen. He's the owner. He's the owner. That's why we use the word stewardship. A steward manages property or finances on behalf of the owner. So when I take my gift and I put it in the offering at church or in the the bucket or online, and I'm not tithing, I'm taking what belongs to God and, and keeping it for myself. In other words, I'm not even back up to zero. The tithe is what belongs to him. It's our offerings, the other part beyond the 10%, that are what support the house of God. They're they're what enable the house of God to develop and grow and to become everything that God's calling us to be. Are you listening? She was probably the only one. And so Jesus praises her. See, even though their gifts were large, they had little value to them in their spirit. Because, see, they could give with really no need to have any faith and dependence on God. This is so, so important. And her gift, as small as it was, was of great value both to God, who took notice to it, and to her. You see, her gift required something the others weren't at that moment. I'd like to believe they all got there 
as the new church formed. But she had radical faith. And you see, the purpose of giving, listen carefully, friends, God doesn't need our money. He owns everything. Scripture says that he even owns all the animals and the 10,000 cattle on a hill, as Scripture says. God owns it all. And so he doesn't need my money or yours. And you might say, okay, well, then why does he want me to give? Why does he want me to tithe? Because it's in our sacrificial giving like this woman demonstrates that we are changed. You see, God is a God of generosity. You can never outgive God. And, and I was talking to a good friend yesterday. We were having a prayer time on a Zoom call. And he had the privilege of praying for a woman who was released from deep, deep bitterness toward her husband over many, many years. And she'd suffered from migraines. And when she confessed that bitter spirit, it took her a couple weeks. She came earlier at another service, and he said, I can't pray for you. Because he asked her, do you have a bitter spirit towards someone? Very often people struggling with really bad headaches are holding on to something and it, it does something physically in us. And she admitted, yeah, I'm never going to forgive my husband. She said, well, I can't pray for you till you do that first. So the next week she came back, she said, I'm ready. I, 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 she, she said, I, I want to be relieved from this. So he prayed for the Lord to heal her from the migraines. But she didn't tell him that she was also deaf in one ear. And after he laid hands, just like we do up front here every week, after he laid hands and prayed for her, she walked away and came back and said, I can hear. The headaches were gone too, but God added to the blessing that he didn't even pray for her. Come on. You see, God gives us more than we deserve. He even gives us more than we ask for. But he calls us to that kind of radical faith like that woman had. So that first principle is Jesus is interested in our giving far more than we probably are aware because he wants us to become like his father, full of generosity, full of grace, and we're transformed through our giving. Friends, it's not for God, it's for ourselves. And then he takes that generosity and uses it to enlarge his kingdom. What a God we serve. But there's another thing I want to share here that I see in this story that's critical. We learn that in heaven, God judges our giving not by the amount, but by the degree of sacrifice. Let me say that again. Not by the amount. All the amounts are important. He didn't criticize the large gifts, but he was drawn to the degree of sacrifice that woman represented. And so giving less than the tithe is taking what already belongs to God, as I mentioned. And that means another very important thing. It means I stay in control of my life. I may say that God is the Father and I may praise him, but I'm still holding on and not allowing him to be full owner of every area of my life. 
And see, the challenge with that, dear friends, I say this gracefully. Please don't hear me criticizing or pointing a finger at any of you that are not maybe there yet. I I don't hear that. We all struggle with this. It's a journey for all of us. But the reason it's such an important thing to God is that when I insist on holding on what belongs to him, the more I hold on to, the less he can put of himself in my hands. If I bring you something important and you've got your arms full of something else, you're going to have to put something down. You either put that down or I have to walk away with what I wanted to put in your hands. And see, God has supernatural favor. He has abundance. He has, including finances or the healing of a deaf ear, he has so much more for us, but we have to cross that line like that woman did in faith where that woman said, Father in heaven, I don't have anything. I'm going to put something in the offering. Most of the people in my situation are out in front of the church begging from the givers that Jesus was watching for their next meal. But I'm going to trust you because you're my father and you own everything I am. You own my possessions. You own my very breath. I can trust you because I want to give from my heart to you because I love you and I value you. See, that's a declaration, a confident declaration that I'm willing to give more that that costs me something. See, when nothing costs me something, it's of little value to my soul. And God provided for her. I'm confident of that. So do you understand, please, that giving everything you have, what she did, well, it's not about the money. It's not about the amount. It's about living with a conviction that more than enough is never enough when it comes to Jesus and his church. And so let me give you a couple of applications to this before we close. Jesus is interested in you and I honoring him with all we have so that he can bless us with all that he has. Amen. And see, that can't happen as long as you and I are living a surplus lifestyle where I offer my time, my talent, and especially we're talking about treasure here this month, only when it's convenient. We had a small group leader where there was an amazing gathering going on each time they came together and they worshiped the Lord and God was moving. People's lives were changing. And the the person who had the apartment had a change in their schedule where they couldn't be there every week when they had the meeting. True story in this church. And so it looked like the the group was going to have to relocate and it wasn't going to be easy because a lot of the people coming were from the area. But But the owner of the apartment went to the, like the host, the leader that was leading the meetings. They were providing the space and said, I'm giving you a key. And so whenever I can't be there, you just come in, open it up, set things up, and you run it while I'm not here. That's what they did. Now, some of us, people that like their spaces, like I do, would go, yeah, but they they need to make sure that uh, they flush the toilet and what's going to happen. You know, they could even go in my bedroom and go into my drawers. I don't know about this. Do you hear what I'm saying? But see, there was a spirit in that leader that said, I've got something I can give, and I'm I'm not going to just give a little bit 
and then I'll come back to it when I can do it again. They went ahead and said, I'm willing to do more now with what God's given to me. You know what? That group continued to grow and be blessed. There was a retired couple, another true story real quick, and, and they were serving every summer at a camp for families with children with special needs, and they were well beyond retirement age, and their daughter kept complaining to them and saying, you're too old to go up there. Something could happen. That's, that's a summer camp for young people, not, not people who are old like you are. You, you've done enough. But see, they didn't have that attitude. They thought, no, we can do more. We don't want to, we want to be like the widow. There's never enough. I'll give more. I'll serve more. Well, I'm only going to come every few weeks. That's enough. Oh, the church already has enough givers. Oh, the church already has enough people serving. I, I see them holding signs and, you know, they don't need another person. I, I, I don't need to be there every week. Yeah, good things, the church is good enough. I mean, it meets at Potsdamer Plots. It's got amazing worship and, and uh, you know, they've got everything they need. I, they don't need me. Enough people are here. See, Jesus points to that widow and reminds us that our giving is not for God. It's for us, and there is never enough. And the more we choose to give away, the more we choose to serve, the more we are willing to be radical like her, the more it all comes back. See, surplus living, where I hold on to things, keeps me self-sufficient. There was a church in the very last part of Scripture from Laodicea. Now, there's a name, huh? The Laodicea Church. And Jesus looked at them. It was a rich church. They were wealthy. They were dressed nice. They had all the, the latest from Gucci and uh, all, the, all the special styles. They really did. It's true. They had a special wool that they grew in that area that was black, that was sought after by the entire Roman Empire. It was really high quality. So they were wealthy. But Jesus looked at that church. You can read for this in Revelation chapter 3. He says to them, in spirit, you think, you're, you think you're wealthy, but in spirit, you are poor, blind, and naked. And he exposed them for their self-sufficiency. See that attitude that says to God, Lord, I need you sometimes, but I've got this one. I thank you for the new job, and I'll, I'll let you know if I need something else. Jesus is not satisfied with surplus living because, again, as I said earlier, it doesn't allow us to go deeper, to have the heart of the Father. You see, a casual commitment brings no real change and it doesn't honor God, and it doesn't allow us to experience his best. And I love to declare, we're believing for better things for you, for your family, for this church in Jesus' name. I love this woman in the story. She had crossed a line in her faith where there was nothing she wouldn't do to declare God's goodness. Some of you are thinking, yeah, but I don't have anything to offer. 
That's a lie of the enemy. Jesus expects the same things from us that he did from this woman. So he wants to take your strengths and use them to build up the weaknesses in someone else. Are you listening? He wants to use your wealth of time, talent, and treasure to enrich those that don't have that. He wants to take your abilities and skills and enlarge his fame and his family through you. He wants to take your brokenness. You say, I've been divorced. I was abused as a child. I'm struggling with all kinds of things. I've still got addictions. Listen, God doesn't expect you to start serving when everything is made right. We're all still on the journey. Come on, none of us are there yet. He wants to take you where you are now, but he'll take the broken things and he'll turn them around and use them to help bring healing to somebody else that's going through the same thing. And God never wanted you to experience that, but now it has a divine purpose that it is redeemed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I believe I'm talking to someone. It might be an, an eating disorder. It might have been a terrible divorce that no one could have ever wished for. But I'm telling you, somebody else is going through that. And God will take it if you'll allow him and use that to turn it around in somebody else going through the same thing. See, God wants to use your family, parents. He wants to use your children. Let your children be part of the adventure. That's what we did we just brought them along. They came, came with us. They saw us loving God and, and, and being there whenever we could. And, and just they, they got a love for God on their own. They got a love for God's house by themselves. But we put them in a position to see a lifestyle like that widow was living. And you can do the same. And I'm telling you, oh, yeah, but they, they're on a sports team, and it's on Sundays, and, and then we got to do this. We can't, we can't do it all. Let me tell you, put God's house as your top priority. You will never regret it because you will raise children that will love Jesus and his church. When we were doing that stage of life, we prayed they'd love Jesus and his church more than we did. They'd start where we were now. Come on. And we prayed for that. And God has done that. And so in conclusion, it's time, church. Get a fresh revelation of moving away from surplus living to an everything-you-have lifestyle. It will look beautiful on you. Start giving in ways that cost you more than you think you can afford. Let it hurt a little bit. Can I just challenge us? If all of us would just give the tithe, this church would be transformed. It would be transformed if we would just give back to God what already belongs to him. You say, but I don't have a lot. She didn't either. But I don't want you to hear me saying, oh, we need more of your money. That's not it. My declaration is I'm believing that some of you are going to experience a revelation in this area, and it will start to take you deeper in knowing and loving him. And can I challenge us? Let's start operating from this perspective that it's not about the money in the bank. It's about the degree that I'm willing to sacrifice who I am and what I have to see Jesus lifted up and honored on the earth. Can I challenge us too to look at what's in our hand, 
Some of you have amazing gifts and abilities that could be transforming in the lives of others. You say, yeah, but it's not much. Don't forget, Jesus pointed at a penny and said it outshone all the gifts of the rich guys. God is looking at a gift in your life that will outshine the people who might look better, sound better, be more intelligent, better looking, but he has his eye on you. In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand to your feet? I still got a lot more, but I think I've shared enough. So, Lord, I want to pray right now for my dear brothers and sisters who are standing to their feet in your presence. Lord, take the words that I've spoken from my heart. Let them be your words and let them rest and plant seeds in the minds and hearts of your people to be applied in whatever ways, Lord, you choose to do in each of them. Lord, we trust you like the woman did. We trust you for the future of this church. We trust you with our giving. We trust you, Lord. We thank you for how you've taken us on such a great journey already. Lord, this church doesn't belong to my family or to to the other leaders and servers in this church. It belongs to you. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have of honoring you with our gifts. In Jesus' name. And if you receive it and believe it, say amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord an applause of praise.